0: Alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things avatar. I don't know why I'm singing it up here like it's a song. I'm Janet <laughs> yeah, Barney. You win a car, and you win a car. <laughs> and I'm Dante Bosco.
1: And we are here and we're so thrilled to be here together to celebrate this amazing world that Mike DiMartino and Brian Connectsco created nineteen years
0: ago, Janet. That is almost as old as i am because i'm 20 years old okay anyway moving on let's not let anyone think about that too long let's let everyone believe that to be true we are here today to recap uh episode four of the last airbender the king of omashu but i have to say we are here to do so much more than that i am so excited and i know dante you are so excited what an iconic beloved character from the last airbender the King of Omashu himself, the very mercurial, hilarious, surprisingly buff King of Omashu, <laughs> Boomy, played by the very great Andre Soliuzzo. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, Andre. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here,
0: <sighs> Andre. You have the name I wish I had, Janet Barney. Janet Barney.
2: Well, Andre Soliotso. No, come nice on. Name. I don't
0: it's know. very it's Italian. I'm just excited. What? Very.
2: Very. And if you have my last name, you're, you originate from the island of Ischia in the Bay of Naples. It's a very specific name. So, oh, wow. yeah.
1: Also, you know, my name is very Italian. Both first Bosco. name and Signore last name. Bosco. Yeah. yeah. Dante I know, Bosco. I know
2: two other Boscos, both Italian. Yeah.
1: Both Italian. I was hanging yeah. out in the Bronx with a bunch of Italians there, and they're like, who's Dante Bosco? I was hanging out with a bunch of Italian kids, like the Bronx tale. And I yeah. raised my hand, and they're like... Uh, are you paisan
2: and i said uh i'm,
1: I'm filipino I'm
2: and filipino, then you but there's a big latin influence in the, the philippines the guy so. looked at
1: me and said we've been there we've yeah. been there you may be paisan you don't know i was like i guess yeah. so who knows That's <laughs> right we'll take
2: him whatever we'll as take him got the last name it's okay you know like-
0: <laughs> are you paisan am i paisan i don't know <laughs> uh, where did you grow up andre
2: I had a weird life. I grew up all over the place. I'm originally from New York, uh, like Dante. I'm uh, born in Manhattan. My dad was from the Bronx, but my dad was a theater professor kind of chasing tenure. So I moved a lot like a military brat. I was an academic kid. So I lived in New York, upstate New York. I lived in Rome, Italy for about a year and a half. Then I moved to Dallas, Texas from Rome, Italy culture shock I lived in LA wow. for high school and I moved back to New York when I was about 19 so in my wow. mind New York more than anywhere else but I've been back in LA for a while but I'm I'm a dyed-in-the-wool New Yorker no matter what
1: did yeah. you have that New York accent Manhattan Bronx
2: something. no I had as a little kid we've lost the recordings unfortunately I had a very upstate New York accent when I was a little kid but then I lost it and my father even though he was from the Bronx was the only one in his family. I mean, he went, got a master's, a PhD, was very erudite and very cultured, you know. And so you, then I would meet my cousins and they all talk like the Sopranos. Andrew, come here, pass the gravy. You know, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, who are these aliens I'm related to? Because my father just kind of walked away and like, right. he's you know, like, we're not talking like yeah, that. No, Andre. he wore ascots and he was tremendously cultured, you know. He and wore so, ascots? he did wear ascots. I'm just going
0: to jump in here and say, in case anyone doesn't know, an ascot is one of those scarves that you sort of tie around your neck and they make you look quite dashing. Let's bring the ascot back. I don't
1: have one of those in my wardrobe. I need one of those things.
0: Both of you could absolutely work an ascot in a gorgeous way.
2: I could, I could, well, yeah, you know, my dad passed recently and so uh, his ascot collection is up for grabs. I I don't think my sister's going to fight me for it, so we'll see. (laughs)
0: One of the things I feel like comes up over and over again with voice actors like you who have this amazing ability to do voices, accents, mimicry, is this true awareness and appreciation of people from all these different places and what makes them special and why they sound the way they do. I also feel like moving around a lot is really good for a voice actor because you get the opportunity to, to kind of be a sponge and hear all of these different voices and see all of these different cultures.
2: Absolutely, and as a little kid, my father took us to the Edinburgh Festival when it was still. A, now it's a huge thing, but so again, to go to to Scotland and hear them speaking what was supposedly English, but sounded nothing like English that I'd ever heard before, you oh, and so, so good. that was, and I would learn to imitate them, you know, right. and so you you know, you just yeah. So for me, I was always celebrating the differences between people, but for years, you were sent out in the hall in school because they thought you were mocking everybody right, yeah you know, right. you know. yeah i spent a lot of my childhood in the hallway you know. but i think it's
1: also the chameleon of the actor we're trying to fit in now how how did uh acting come into your life like how did you pursue that
2: so i was always around the process of theater because my dad directed plays as well but i never pursued it as a profession as a kid one because i was still bopping around when we finally got to la and i finally sort of admitted that i was an actor I did not want to pursue it. Now if I roll my career back, I should have as a kid because right. it's a lot easier to get cast as a kid than as an adult. So I decided I want to go study professional acting in New York and I sort of went that snob route rather than going on open <laughs> calls for Nickelodeon shows as a kid, which is, you know, I probably would have had a bigger on-camera career had I done so, but Again, the life experience that I had in New York completely enriched what I do now, so I have no regrets. But yeah, I didn't understand how the business worked. I didn't realize they don't care if you're baby-faced like 17-year-old and you don't really know. You're allowed to learn as you go at that age. But I had all this sort of adult perception of what you're supposed to know. And so I wanted to walk into that room feeling completely confident in myself. So I was a late bloomer, so to speak, but um, you know. And then I pursued voice. I I was doing voices from the age of six.
0: What did your dad think?
2: Yeah, he always found it funny and loved, you know, that I did voices and accents. He spoke fluent Italian. He did a lot of stuff at the Italian Cultural Institute in L.A. And I did readings there with him. So I was exposed to a lot of theater for years and years and years. So, yeah, it was just kind of in the blood. But it wasn't, quote, unquote, the family business. It was more like the family tradition. We were just involved in theater, but not being paid for it, you know? So, yeah.
0: And when you yeah. did start pursuing it more avidly, was there a type of role that you were attracted to? Or were you just sort of like, whatever I can get an audition for, I'm gonna jump in there and do my Pretty very much. best. Yeah. yeah.
2: I did a lot of black box theater in New York, you know, a lot of small off-off stuff. And and then at the point, I was also a, a musician and a songwriter, am as well. Nice. And I was kind of trying to pursue both at the same time, which you can't, like as a profession. I had to kind of make a choice. So I thought, you know what, I'll always write music, I'll always perform and play, but I've got to focus on one thing. So I kind of got in through voice is how I, I mean, I was doing theater. I didn't really pursue an on-camera career because I knew that the voice was a, I had a facility that narrowed the field for me considerably, but it was tricky because New York at that point didn't have, they had voice guys, but they were promo guys. They were commercial guys. There weren't cartoons in, in New York market at all. There were some, and that's kind of how I started. I was doing um, celebrity death match. Back in Mm. the day. And I did like over 50 voices for them.
0: Right. And for those of you who don't know, Celebrity Deathmatch was a claymation, very cool, animated show that parodied pro wrestling matches, right? But pitted celebrities against each other. So you would hear celebrity voices. But they were people like Andre doing amazing impressions. And
2: I came out to L.A. to WME in L.A. with my videotape um, (laughs) of like 13 of the 50 that I did. And that was my entree to Tim and Eric. And then Tim wanted to sign me right away. You know, Tim was like, what are you doing in New York? Like, you could have an animation career in L.A. And I was like, I don't want to live in L.A. Ugh. You know, and then I. As all you New Yorkers that, say. Well, I and know. Then, yeah, I know, here. I was a total snow. You, you end, end up know, It was the same thing. Suddenly, I went back to my studio apartment and my miserable prison cell. Of you know, I thought, you know what? And it was cold, and it was super cold (laughs) outside. You're (laughs) like, what am I doing here? (laughs) What am I doing? And so I thought, okay, I got to take this seriously, you know. And um, so I I came out to try it. My dad was living here, and I stayed with him till I sort of got on my feet, you know. And then I started working pretty much right as soon as I got out here. So
1: which I originally met you in the lobby at WME of the voiceover department. And we spent many, many hours just talking, rapping with a bunch of of other voiceover actors.
2: And that was the funny thing with WME is different. I mean, were you there when we were upstairs before? Yeah, yeah, right. So that elevator door would open and the music floor was one flight above us. So sometimes different legends would be, it was like almost like on a sitcom, like if you want your celebrity guest star, the elevator doors would open one day I was walking and in the lobby, I was sort of walking with my head down, not looking up, and the elevator doors open, and I smell this blast of perfume. And I look up, and little Richard is there in a full gold caftan, full makeup, oh with God. his shades on, and and oh. I, I look up like this, and I go <laughs> I like burst out laughing, and he goes like this. He's got his, 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 his Ray-Bans on, he goes, Hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then the elevator doors closed. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Be people don't understand. So
1: WME is the William Morris Agency, which is one of the biggest agencies in LA. Yeah. And the voice department is not the big part of the William Morris Agency. No, It's a small corridor. Before we got our own lobby, Varney, you got to understand, we were outside the elevator. At any given yeah. time, it was 5 to 20 voice actors uh, yeah, lounging yeah, yeah. around. There's two benches. So there's a few people sitting on the benches the rest of us are laying around the William Morris agency in the hallway right. leaning up on each other against the wall yeah
0: running lines with each other
2: yeah yeah packed in like sardines yeah packed
0: in 20 30 yeah. voice actors I have to say I love that you two met so long ago and then ended up on this show together well let's let's lean towards avatar a little bit I I, I yes. do want to say I mean again such an iconic role such an iconic voice I cannot imagine anyone else doing thank it you. especially someone like you who really is known for the diverse range of voices that you well, are you. a go-to person for it really is like magic for people you turn into a kid it's like how are you doing that and so that's got to be kind of a fun way to walk through the world it is a fun
2: way to walk through the world then like if we're all in the room Eventually, people are like, "Would you guys shut up? We're trying to watch the movie." You know, it's like because it just. Andre keeps Romano,
0: Andre out. Romano was like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna get back to the episode."
2: Yeah, all right, wrangle the cats, Mama Andrea is gonna straighten us all out. So, is Boomy a role that people ask you
0: a lot about?
2: Absolutely, and Boomy is interesting because again, I didn't really have an idea of the impact to be honest, of Boomi or the show. And this is for Dante, too. None of us had well, the idea. None of us did, yeah. because it took those kids a while to grow up, you know? And then all of a sudden we would go to things like, I didn't really know until I was at comic And I'm not a regular at Comic-Con. Dante's there much more than me, I'm sure. But I went down one year and I was at the Legend of Korra party. And everybody's in costume. And so I'm there and I'm just wearing my jacket or whatever. And then somebody was like, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, well, I'm King Boomy. It was like, huh, they started shaking, you know? And they're like, dude, Boomy's here. (laughs) And it was like, I was freaking Elvis. It had nothing to do with me. It was Boomy. I was mobbed by these fans about Boomy and like, and I just got this very moving sense of what the show meant to people. And meant to those kids who are now when they were in their 20s, you know, and, you know, they were like, oh, my God, Boomy meant so much. He was so cool. I always wanted him to be my crazy uncle. You know, I mean, that's what Boomy was. He was like the badass. Not he's not your badass grandfather. He's your badass grandfather, your grandfather's badass brother. That's he's right, your crazy he's great uncle. Crazy. That's yeah. what Boomy was. Yeah, he's yeah. The one in the
0: family that everybody and goes, oh, and then you're, and then you're, of course, your uncle Boomy had to blah blah blah. Yeah. and then you're like, yeah, yeah. he
2: did. And so Boomy was just, yeah, Boomy is so cool and was su- such a wonderful role. And to be honest, I mean, that's probably one of your questions is where did the voice come from? But he does yes, come indeed. from a specific person. <gasps> oh, okay. And we were we were talking about New York and theater. Uh, and what's funny is when these auditions come in, especially I remember at the time for Avatar, I think the word that sticks out in my mind, it was like older, da da da, da. And the word aristocratic was in the breakdown.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I, I think that was
2: in there. He sort of a, had an aristocratic air about him or something. And so I had a dear, dear friend who was much older. And he a more, He smoked Camel Dun filters. And his name was John Barry Ryan Third. And he was from a very a, a well-to-do New York family. And John also was in, he was, I mean, they were multi-millionaires back in the day. His grandfather was a very famous guy at the turn of the last century named Otto Kahn, who funded all, he was a great patron of the arts. And John's mother ran the New York Metropolitan Opera. So John oh, nice. grew up with all the greatest minds of the 20th century in his living room. Blue he grew up Blue one flight below Greta Garbo.
1: And John talked,
2: and he smoked Camel Dun filters all day long, and, and Andre, come over here, you know, and he was unbelievable, and so John had that voice, and so when it said aristocratic, I immediately went, so again, John is more gravelly and a little deeper, but it just became, hello, how are you, it became the more animated, but there was no picture of Boomy. And then when the show came out, Boomy looks like John Ryan. That's what freaked <gasps> me out. Oh, yeah. I love wow. that. Yeah. I Like love, John kind of oh. looked like King Boomy. It was total serendipity. Yeah.
0: I love the serendipity, too, of your background because King Boomy feels so, like, Shakespearean inspired, right? He's like the, the sort of mad king. Yeah. The sort of, is he's, he's funny, but is he dangerous? How much power should a person who's crazy have? All of that kind of stuff feels like it was spun, you know, out of that. That sort of mythology, or those sorts of of right. characters in literature, so Is he love, joyful? Yeah. yeah, but I love that. That's yeah. you know, here you have this dad who's a theater professor, and you're digging into the classics and stuff just by virtue of of uh, you know being immersed in it as a young person. So that also feels like mwah. It's perfect, right?
2: Well, again, all, all credit to Andrea Romano because I'm sure I'm the she's the reason I was cast at that point. Um, because I remember when she heard it, and Andrea's a a New Yorker as well. And so she knew what I was up to, like in the voice, and she heard it because again, that word aristocratic, and you know, I mean, FDR, you know, well, the only thing we fear is fear itself. Like they all had that way of talking. And so John was just a higher version of that. But if you were from a well-to-do family, you talked in that way, you know. how Hurston, Hurston Howell the Third on uh, Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Island. He, yeah, he, sure. Laver, you know, it, <laughs> right. he was doing that. But they all had that voice in different that's like, shades, you know. That's amazing. So that's where he comes from—is that old New York aristocracy sound from the nineteen twenties thirties? I would have never picked you know? that amazing. out. And I love how when
1: they're casting, a word can send you in that direction, and it's brilliant. Yeah. And then yes. how you seamlessly go through voices. Like I think me and Barney are both like amazed by. You know actors like you, K.M.R., Kevin Michael Richardson, Gray DeLau, and I think you know you guys are all singers. And so the tones that yeah. you pick up on, and the way that you can articulate it so easy, it's so brilliant, so brilliant. Absolutely, well, I think it maybe it might have a fact that you're a singer. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I always thought that would. No, the, it is. It is. I
2: I, I I say that all the time, especially in what I do when I do voice matching. You know, when I'm doing because, and sometimes you're you're not to put anybody down. Like Dana Carvey is an incredible impressionist he's incredible but sometimes impressions are very broad because they yes. want almost a caricatured version Absolutely. of the person but when you do voice matching for a feature film right. you have to you're i'm in the middle of the sentence you know so you know it's Russell Crowe starts the sentence and Russell Crowe's like you know over here. I need you to go over there and then so I want and then I say $500 and then, you know, and then yeah. Russell finishes the sentence. So your what your p- job, it's it's all music. It's rhythm, it's timing, it's pitch. It's all very, very musical. And the people who can do that, especially or even when you do looping or dubbing. Yeah. Sometimes I've dubbed Netflix shows. Yeah, it's all rhythm and timing because you've got those three beeps and it's like boop, 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 bop. And you're, you're making puzzle pieces with sound that have to fit. So it's a definite musical thing. If you're tone deaf, you can't do what guys like I do.
0: I'm amazed. I know, it's magic and science combined. All right, we could talk to you for a day. Let's see if we can take ourselves on a little ride, a little ride called the city of Omashu, the king of Omashu this episode was written by John O'Brien and directed by Anthony Lioy. Aang is very excited to go back to this place that he says he's been a million times as a child to see his very very good friend Boomy. This is the first idea that we have outside of the, the air temple, right? We think of him as being with the monks all the time. So this, the fact that he has this buddy that he goes and visits in this remarkable city that we see from a distance, you know, built of stone and this crazy tall road that leads up to the village and very cinematic as the entire series is
2: very beautiful it's such beautiful art in that episode yeah it's
0: so stunning like i would have a, a poster of pretty much every shot in, in avatar if i could yeah and so he says we gotta go let's you know i gotta show you this crazy thing that this city has
1: this is the omashu delivery system miles and miles of tubes and shoots
0: we see the system of shoots that are for those of us who enjoy roller coasters feel like Of course, it's an invitation to go nuts. And we learn a little bit about all the adventures that Aang and Boomy had together as kids. And then it quickly turns into, in present day, this sort of, how much in peril are they? Because they encounter this potentially crazy king but he seems kind of harmless but then he's putting Aang through these kind of death defying things that he has to do in order for them to be able to safely leave and all that kind of stuff it's a bit of a standalone episode which is something that avatar fans talk about it lives within itself in a way that some of the other episodes don't which is one of the things that makes it feel to me like a mini movie getting ahead of myself but it's got the classic like boomy making puns and then silence and then just (coughs) like the one cough when people don't think the pun is funny and just those sorts of moments are, are just classic comedy Sokka, Sokka does, Sokka thinks he's funny
2: there's a little Monty Python moment in it as well. Yes. When they're, when they're going on about which chamber? Oh, the chamber that was one the one before the nice chamber that is now the former chamber of, which is yes. very from uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The rhythms of it, not just the way I read it, but I knew the writers were sort of going there in their way. The one that was formerly known as this, which is now that, you know, uh, right. Or whatever. I he was says. wondering if you if you yeah. improv
1: that, Andre. And I was watching. I was like, I wonder if Andre improv. No, that I think
2: that one. was this in the so script. I never. I never. Rift uh, at all? I think that was there, but definitely I was stealing the rhythm of it from Monty Python. But I know that they wrote it oh, yeah. with that in their head. Which I could is such feel a it. dream yeah, just,
0: as a writer to, to yeah. have somebody go, "I got you," you know, and to just do
2: it. No, the writing in that episode is wonderful, and Boomy is all there on the page. That's the other thing. I would love to take credit for all the crazy, you know. Yes, there were rhythms and pitches and things, but it's a real collaboration. The writing was all there. And then I come in with that. And then Andrea steers me in a direction and really is a team effort. When you come up with something like that, you know, it's just wonderful, Absolutely. you know, throw them a feast, you know, like there's this, ah, you know, like these weird little pitch things, you know, and I, I I'm, I, as I heard it again, I, cause I just watched it again for you guys so I could be fresh. And it was funny. I'm like, did I do three other takes where I didn't go feast, you know, and then Andrea led me there? Very possibly, you know, it's it's hard to say.
0: Well, we kind of get a foreshadowing of meeting this king and and this idea of disguise and all of that right at the very beginning because Aang uh, wants to go visit the city, but Katara's so worried now, everybody knows, you know, word's gotten out that the Avatar is back, and will he be recognized? And so they decide that they need a disguise, and then, you know, of course, we immediately see, we see what the tone of the, the show this particular episode is going to be right away right because we see ang with his bushy mark twainzian kind of beard and then he's got this crazy right. shock of of hair we see quickly that it's appa's fur and he drops down into an old man voice which is ironic because he is over 100 years old but he drops down into his little raspy old man ang voice
2: my business is my business young man and- yours
1: which i've actually seen that cosplayed i've seen that oh, cosplay you have. at cons oh, that's i have a great seen old maning cosplay. cosplay which is classic
0: shout out to it's a to deep those cut definitely a deep
1: cosplayers. cut that, that is a deep, deep cut. cut yeah
0: those, are, but that's that's when you know the cosplayer's doing it for his fellow fans. It's like we, he or she or they, are doing it as a hey, we're in the same club, we're speaking the same language, and not everybody knows what this is. And those are the best. Those are the best moments. And so they're just coming in, and then uh, Ang, of course, bragging about how nice the citizens are, and then we immediately hear the guards berating another iconic character in this episode. Certainly not outshining uh, Boomy. And this is the first time we see the Cabbage Merchant. Oh, my cabbages! And Cabbage Merchant, by the way, we like to call him Cabbage Man. Cabbage Man. Is a fan favorite. Of course, you all know. Enter the Cabbage Man. A lot of cabbages happening. This is the first time. It's kind of a big deal because fans do love the cabbages, they love Cabbage Man. First of all, we need to talk to Mike and Brian about why cabbages. Was it ever gonna be cauliflower? Was it ever gonna be squashes or pumpkins? We don't know. Was he meant to come back? Was he meant to come back?
1: Or was it a one-off line? I don't know.
0: We just wanna challenge our friends and fans. By the end of this first season, we would like to collect some cabbage counts. We want our fans and our friends and our listeners of the podcast to let us know how many cabbages they count In this episode, assuming that every time you see a cabbage, it's its own cabbage. You're not seeing the same cabbages over and over. Good luck. This is like counting jelly beans in a jar. It's cabbage count alert. Keep track of the cabbages you saw on screen for this episode. And, of course, big, big shout-out, big verbal hug to James C., who plays the Cabbage Merchant. And don't worry, we definitely want to have James on the show. Andre, do you know if you actually did any of the other voices of the characters in this episode?
2: I I know I had one other voice in that show, and I think it's the guard, where it's literally Boomy and the guard are right up against each other, which normally they don't do. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like, this very, you must, do. I'm like one of those guys, Yeah. Well, they got it.
0: You I mean listen? They had you in that room. They had to use you for they at had to least use one other thing. At least one other thing, because they had a. There's so much they could have done. I, I've had panels, multiple panels,
1: disrupted by a Cabbage Man cosplayer. <laughs> one time, rolling through with a whole cart full of real cabbages. I was like, "Who's this guy?" I mean, I
0: know who he is, but you know, he's throwing cabbages to the audience. It was, it was amazing. He's he's beloved. Now, this is exciting for me because now that we have covered our cabbage count, I'm turning it over to you, Dante, for this part of the recap so that you can tell everyone what Aang says his name is
1: to the guard. Good luck. I didn't want to say that. I mean so Aang is berated. The guard tells the guard his name is Bonzo he's <laughs> Pippin He's
2: it's Pippin Padalopsicopolis.
1: Pippin, Pippin Padalopsicopolis. Exactly. Pippin
2: Patelopsicopolis, yes. The third, the third. He's that obviously thing.
1: Greek. There's, there's Greeks in the Avatar universe, for sure. I guess
2: so. Yeah, and I, guess I never so. even asked him at the time, where did you guys get this name from? But I know it's something specific. Like, yeah, and we will find
1: out you. do have you. to say it in the show, too. I have to say it. What do you yeah, have you to say, say to yourself,
2: Mr. Pippin Exactly. Yeah, no, I know. I do say it. But what was funny is at the time I read it, I don't know that we maybe we recorded in order that day or I came in from my scenes or what, but I watching the episode back, I was like, Oh, he says it first. So I thought at the time I read it, I'm like, this is a total random thing for this old man to shout at this kid, <laughs> right. but whatever, I'll read it. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I didn't know why I was even set calling him Mr. Pippin battle of So, <laughs> I just thought it was like Boomy's really nuts. He come up comes up with weirdo names for people. Then Which, I realized, oh fair. no, that was the name the kid gave himself, you know. Yeah, but. and of
0: course, exactly. c- of it, course May is Katara. Katara leans doesn't in. listen. Yeah. She does, that's a one of the great comedic timing moments of the show cuz she just leans right in and is like, "Hi, June Pippinpadlop Scuttle." And you're like, "Oh, I guess she's <laughs> a weird savant so shout for out to May that." Name. And she had it. She had it down, too. That's right.
1: That's right. And then of course they stop Sokka and then, you know, are they caught? No, the guard says Sokka should carry old man Aang's bag. And then the earth gates are bended open, which is always great to see earth bending happen. Yes, And then indeed. we see the amazing mountainous city. Aang explains these chutes and this roller coaster and these tubes that are going around the, the city, and he tells the story of Boomy and what they used to do in the shoots. And they have this great flashback of young Aang, which is still Aang, how he looks now, and his partner in crime, Boomy. So... Aang takes the gang on the shoot ride. And the shoot ride is pretty awesome. Kind of scary. I mean, this is very death-defying stuff. They're going
0: on the shoots. It's intense. There's a lot of damage that gets done to the city on with with when Aang gets a hold of those shoes. When Bumi I know does. they're like blasting people's roofs. Yeah. And
1: then then they get followed by that sharp axe thing out of nowhere. What, what's that?
0: This yeah.
1: Sharp axe thing comes <laughs> out of right. nowhere. <laughs> and then they careen past soldiers, uh, trained to be prepared for anything. Not for that that's right very funny moment and then the cart with ang and the company flies past stops for like a photo op they, they do us like so many
0: great funny little i
1: know almost looney tunes things in i think the that's episode. a great comparison
0: well yeah and it reminds me of like there are flume rides like in disneyland there's there's a flume ride and then there's one at Not very Farm, I and they take a picture of you when you're sort of about to throw up because it's the steepest part of the drop and so I wondered if that was an influence. And I don't know if it was, but that's what it felt like to me, too, is that you sort of get this picture of everybody in the log flume, like, ah, trying to look like they're having a good time. And then after you finish the ride, you can see that photo. So I was like, ah, maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. And so, yeah, and then we, of course, Cabbage Man gets, we we hear him, like, that went wrong again. My cabbages! We end up on the cabbages. We end up on the cabbages. And then we go to this giant green-tinted temple which, Andre, did you see like a Wizard of Oz thing happening there? Because I was, like, that's sort of, I first thought like, is this Emerald City, right? Yeah, I mean-, I mean, there
2: is a very Emerald City. The whole thing is very Emerald City. You see it in the distance in that wonderful shot. Then when the True. gates finally open and everybody walks in. Yeah, it's very much like that kind of awe. And there's a lot of green. boomy has got a lot of green going on. And once you're indoors, the whole thing is kind of Emerald City-ish in a way. Yeah.
0: Very fascinating. I didn't think about that that's what struck me and then the kind of the interesting twist is that you know the whole idea of the wizard when you meet the wizard is that he's this very normal sort of bland guy who's playing at being something extraordinary and so for a second you know you could even think like oh is this where we're headed with this and then it's the exact opposite the king of Omashu is immediately fascinating and weird and you're trying to get a beat on who this guy is and you know he's he's grilling angs, he's asking that everybody questions um but right away we get some really good bad puns uh i think the first one is like when ang says he's from kangaroo island i'm from kangaroo island
2: oh kangaroo island eh i hear that place is really hopping <laughs> that's right yeah silence i it's really silence, hopping, it's really hopping. <laughs>
0: <That's> so satisfying saka's <laughs> like it was kind of funny that was kind of funny it's- so good and then some there's some kind of crazy moment where like ang we know now that ang is a vegetarian he tells boomy that when boomy is like offering him a chicken leg and then somehow ang is like with no skin boomy throws a chicken leg at ang like it's some kind of weird matrix sort of test where he's like aha And he throws this chicken leg and ang instead of catching it i guess because he doesn't maybe want to touch it because it's a dead animal or something he airbends it instead and it's like boomy knew that was going to happen how could he possibly know it's like aha and he exposes him as the airbender
1: yeah you know when you look back at it cause now we know what's going on but i i'm trying to put myself in watching it for the first time and not knowing all the you know foreshadow alerts of what's to come because then you can kind of see all of his madness
0: making sense in hindsight right when i first saw this the very first time i saw this episode i had zero like i absolutely had already forgotten about his friend boomy by the time we met the king the king took all of my concentration and i was only thinking about the king and i genuinely was shocked when he names him at the end and then the next time i watched it i was like i'm an idiot (laughs) like there were a lot of clues i know that's how i I watch it and i know too much Oh
1: yeah, But uh, um, well, the team tries to leave after the whole airbending incident, and right. then Boomy announces his three deadly challenges, right? Which is very got a little Hercules labor esque thing going on. Like, oh, he has to do these challenges to achieve something. Another and, thing, and probably bat, and- Andre. That, yeah,
0: that was like familiar to you, Andre, with uh, with just all the sort of classic like the, the gauntlet, the kind. There of- are three challenges.
2: Yeah all of that
0: the hero's journey yeah there's a lot of odes he says
1: off with the heads which is a very odes to like the uh to like alice alice in wonderland it's like there there's a lot of like it takes a lot of different ideas and a lot of different things that we know in this in the past and it's a lot of it's very dance in this episode for sure
0: absolutely
2: it's funny that you say as i've rolled back to what we were talking about before also when we the wizard of Oz time and the emerald city if i really think about it boomy's voice is not unlike the wizard he's got one thing you haven't got you know right. again the wizard that actor that. Uh, had the same again it's that same erudition of the period you know
0: yeah you're right. He does Oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about that. That's a great call. Yeah, Boomy
2: Bumi, Boomy's voice is a higher pitch, but not unlike the same sort of rounded theatrical tones of the wizard. Yeah, you, you know. Well, why didn't see, you say so? Come on in. You know, oh it's all God. there.
0: I think you've elevated this comparison in ways I couldn't have imagined, and now I feel extremely True. now I feel very smart and vindicated. But it's only other people making me look good.
2: Well, Bumi is all about erudition, you know. He's all about being erudite, so.
0: Mad genius king. That's right, and, and so many jewels and gems and gemstones. I understand it's, you know, he's an earth king. He, when he decides to give these challenges to Aang, he's he encloses, or he puts these rings on Katara and Sokka, right, where he says this is geminite and it's this creeping crystal. It's crystal that grows remarkably
2: fast. By nightfall, your friends will be completely covered in it.
0: It'll just, you know, smother them alive if you don't do these these tasks I'm gonna throw at you quickly enough. The first one is a sort of underground waterfall in this cave. He's got to retrieve this lunchbox key. Lunchbox key. And we see him bouncing around the stalactites, air bubble. He's, he does this air bubble. Lat, can't climb the ladder. You know, so he does does his different thing. Shoots the st- stalactite through the air, pins the key, delivers it to Boomy. Uh, what's the next one, Dante? What's the next challenge?
1: The next one is. Fl- Flopsy. He's now in the chamber and he's like, you need, you know, get Flopsy here to give me a, a kiss or a hug or whatever. Where's my Flopsy? Yes. Yes. And we open up on it appears to be a rabbit. I don't know if it's a rabbit mixed with something else, but it's definitely
0: a, a I think that's a, just a maybe a regular rabbit. And we're like, Well the oh, first is one Flopsy?
2: is just a big lop eared rabbit. Right. And yeah. Then Flopsy shows up and he's like this scary Goat this gorilla. other big
1: thing, yeah, what is that thing? Do we know what that thing is? It's, it's a bit, Andre said like a he's dead gorilla. on. A
0: goat
1: gorilla. It is. Humongous yeah. goat gorilla. Yeah, nailed Humongous.
0: it. Nailed it. Uh, and, but Aang, once Aang calls him by his name, right? He's
1: Yeah, he turns the table. He's, he's learning that what things aren't what he thinks they are. Or we are learning also as an audience that everything is not what we think it is and then the labors continue
0: yeah so they have the final challenge there's a duel ang's gonna have to choose his opponent uh we think oh he's gonna have to choose between the two of them but in a surprise twist he points at Boomy. says i want to fight you Uh, and we're going to find out how that goes right after this
1: And we're back. And now Aang is having his fight with his chosen person going to fight, which, which he ended up being Boomy. And Boomy gives him his staff, and the fight ensues. Now, Boomy, when he reveals himself, you got to say, that old man is stacked.
2: He's ripped. He's cut. Yeah.
1: He is ripped. It's kind of terrifying. He does something earthbender and his body goes from like this hunchback. And then he, I mean, he has gray armpit hair. That is really
2: thick. Thank you. Uh, I was just going to get there if you didn't. The most significant thing that I think, I don't know of another character with armpit hair. Animated character with armpit hair and it (laughs) flaps in the breeze. Okay. It's thick. It's flowing (laughs) armpit hair. Yeah.
1: Flowy. I think also probably (laughs) thick and dense. That's the first thing I saw.
2: To me, I think it's the first animated character I can remember with armpit hair. But uh, you know. I
1: can't name one. Oh, Boomy was impressive. I mean, yeah. he does claim that he is the greatest earthbender
2: you will ever see. Yes.
1: Exactly. We don't know if that's going to be true or not for Shadow Alert. We don't know if that's going to be true or not. But at this point, yeah, yes. Yeah,
0: foreshadow report. I mean, at least there might be another character who claims to be the most powerful earthbender, but I don't know. I mean, I Bumi, mean these, Bumi, are, these these these, are... he's got some moves. This fight is in no, it's amazing. But it's these awesome. earthbenders
1: are pretty self uh, important here, Barney. A lot of earthbenders claiming to be the best uh, ever. I don't know oh okay. listen
0: you're just trying to throw shade on any other nation other than the fire nation because exactly. Zuko is just such a bad dude the entire time <laughs> uh, I can't you but can't you can throw it on Boomy. he's too cool no Boomy's yeah, amazing so it's it's that's a lot and really it's just Aang deflecting 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 I know it's it's interesting how they talk about that
1: how he's like you're like all the other airbenders I thought you're different because you're the avatar where the airbending's all about deflecting and not really trying to attack and trying to hurt the person but about you know diffusing violence diffusing a situation but it's beautifully beautifully done all these fights these ang barely missing these rocks these boulders coming at him and and then uh, of course he ends up besting boomy to a degree only to find out there's a rock above his head and then he ends up doing the tornado Thing. He does the airbending, that's the airbending thing with the tornado, This, all this like earth yeah, and yeah. rock and rock and earth, and it's really fascinating and beautiful to watch, and you're seeing this probably like the most intense fight as far as using the two different elements, and it's really beautiful. But then it comes down to, after he passed the test, uh, defeating Boomy, that he has one more question, and the question is... What is my name? And Varney, what happens then?
0: People, I just um, I projected ahead to how much people are going to love this episode, hearing so much raw, natural, boomy happening in the moment. Amazing. It's just like, I, people I, are going to lose their minds. Name. They're going to lose their minds! Yes. Oh, they're going to lose their minds.
2: And I'm still trying to piece together how... Uh, I, I watched it again, and I was like, you know, he is the Avatar, so ultimately he, he knows all, but... How he comes up with Boomy? out of that, I still didn't, like, he does, he sort of connects these dots.
0: Agreed. It's a stretch, Yeah. but like, he figures wait, it out pretty think, easy. Because then I watched it one time, and I was like, I'm going to watch this from the perspective of somehow Aang figures out really early, but then he's just letting a lot of stuff happen that feels like that's a long way to go. No, if he, he didn't figure it out till that moment
2: in the show, but yeah. like, even when he figures but it out, I'm like... Somebody told you, dude. You had to cheat sheet. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> you can pretend like it's because you remembered something I said. When you look at
1: Young Boomy, I think he's a mad genius, even young. In my mind, I went yeah. right. Aang The fact that Boomy created these shoots around the city because he's the you know the the king of Omamashi, and like this kid, he's like he must have been the mad genius to Aang when he was a kid. So when he says it later on in life, he's like
2: right. You are oh, the a genius. Yeah, you're the mad right, boom, right? You're the
1: mad genius. All this is, and it, it kind of clicked for him. I might have stretched Looking myself there, but I went. Older. I went there with Aang.
0: I think you've done a good job. You've backed it up. You've backed it up. Sock, of course, guesses Rocky, and then there's just another really bad pun for everyone to enjoy. The other thing I wanted to point out, and I'll quickly say, just so we kind of wrap it up, the the recap that of course we find out that the Genomite, which kids are released from as soon as we know that it's Boomy, all of that that threat sort of disappears. Although it wasn't a huge threat anyway, because they sort of look like they were wearing weird dresses made of jewels. It, boomy points out that it's rock candy, but the but the carnival music goes so well with your voice and the animation of of the character that that sort of pipe organ you know yeah yeah uh, calliope kind of yeah the calliope thank you that's what i was looking for uh is such a great companion piece to to boomy and and in all his madness and wonder
2: but calliope is also a little scary too that's what's wonderful it's like agree kind of it's 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 it's, creepy It's funny, but it's also a little spooky all at the same time, which is what's great about the music with Boomi. You're so
0: right. Yes. I'm glad you pointed out the creepiness because it is very, very creepy. Um, so it's great. So uh, you know we 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 see Aang and and Boomy take one last ride on the the crazy earthbending shoots. Um, they do it together, and of course we have to hear a Rule of Threes. We have to hear one last My Cabbages as they presumably off screen are destroying more cabbages. My
1: cabbages!
0: And that is the end of the episode. What a pleasure. Braving the Elements is sponsored by Creeping Crystal Candy. It's not just a Geno genomite, it's a must. So come on down to Creeping Crystal Candy Cavern and find out why this crazy confection is an sure thing. You've got nothing to lose, except your teeth. I would love to ask the, the three of you if you had to pick one of the three challenges from Boomy, either dealing with the waterfall in the cave, uh, retrieving Flopsy, or fighting Boomy. What would you pick? Let's presume you wouldn't be killed by any of
2: them. Well, I, I kind of like the water one just because of the sarcasm of Boomy's. Like, oh, do that. Nobody does that. You know, whatever oh, he's. Right. Yeah, he's kind of snarky in the water. I know. He's like a lot of
1: commentary on a lot of what's yeah. going on here.
2: Oh, well, there's an original. Nobody does that. You know, it's like, it's just, yeah, it's that, that. That made me laugh out loud watching it again. You know, I was like, I don't even remember that line, but it was like so funny and so snarky. So it's that's kind so of my good. favorite just for the joke. But again, it's, The last challenge is the coolest. When Boomy falls back, breaking, you know, he just falls back and breaks through the earth is so cool and so kind of all powerful. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I'm glad you brought that moment
0: up. Yes, when he falls the
2: earth and comes back on top.
1: Yeah, that's why I wouldn't fight Boomy. That's why for sure out of those three three challenges, I'm not picking fighting Boomy for sure. No, I'll go with Flopsy because he was so cute. After we called his, his name, he was like all of a sudden like. The most lovable thing. Yes, who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Exactly. (laughs) Don't
0: fight, Boomy. Daddy wants a kiss from Flopsy. I think is maybe the the sort of. And I'm not. I can't.
2: Again, I may have. I I take it. I may have improvised. Who's a good boy? I'm not sure, but I might have. They might have given me that latitude. I could
0: see that being true. Yeah. This works for me because I enjoy the underwater cave waterfall thing. But I think if I were actually spelunking, I would get semi at some point I'd get claustrophobic. So this is great because now I get to enjoy uh, this beautiful underwater cave waterfall without actually having to be there in real life. So uh, I'm glad that we that we sort of doled out those challenges the way that we did. Um, And then you we know you get asked this every time because we get asked this every time we go to a con. But what bender would you be? Would you be an earthbender, you Andre? Uh, aside from being boomy, or is there a nation that you feel like kind of drawn to, and that maybe the bending power suits your personality in some way?
2: I kind of like water. I think I might be. Yeah, yeah. I might have been a Come water guy. Come over to my
0: side. That's I think cute. About it.
2: Yeah. That's cute. I scuba dive. I'm not Listen a surfer, but yeah, I do like. I I, I am a water, water person. Water. So it's very yeah. healing. I can see. that. Although I there. am a Leo, I should be a fire nation guy. But you know, fire sign, but. You know, and I you're think, italian you know, with and you're italian. I am italian how fiery you know. but are I, those I, come, Italians? I come from an island you know surrounded by water so yeah water yeah. is kind of a, a very tranquil thing for there me you so go. yeah yeah
0: and you love new york and they say pe- the pizza is great in new york because of the water because,
2: because of, of the, of water. the uh, water and, and the, technically manhattan, manhattan is, is an island connection. surrounded by water so yeah water the is a, island is a of manhattan it's beautiful
0: Andre, this has been such a pleasure, what a treat, thank you so, so, so much. Well, I
2: just want to say, as I said, uh, uh, we were talking about earlier when we go to the cons and we meet the fans and it is so moving to now get back from them what these shows, what the Avatar, Last Airbender, meant to them as kids and now uh, as adults, and a lot of them are now having their own kids. Mm -hmm. And that sort of cycle of, you know, something we did in an afternoon in Burbank 15, 20 years ago, uh, you know, that we don't necessarily forget we did it, but it's so long ago and it's just a given day now to realize the impact and, and how significant that little afternoon we spent in a booth in Burbank on a sunny afternoon meant to somebody's life or some kid in a room playing video games mm. for like hundreds of yeah, hours yeah. you know and, I'm sure. and we don't know what their life was like their you know their family life or whatever they were going through with their folks but that little escape to watching the avatar was maybe their happy place that day it's not about us right. It's about what that character meant to them, what this show meant to them. And, but for us to be even a part of that instrument to to bring that joy into someone's life is tremendously meaningful and tremendously fulfilling to get that appreciation back. So it's not about us feeling important. It's about knowing that we made someone happy. Well, I'm always happy to talk about Boomy because he is one of my favorites uh, that I ever got to do. And also, cause he's based on a dear friend. Uh, you know who's no longer with us, but you know I love that I got to put John out there in one way or another. You know, yeah, so, he's, uh, he's
1: he's immortalized for all time yes.
2: now. Well, yeah. let's
0: dedicate we'll dedicate this episode of the podcast to John. Thank and, you. Uh, without without whom and without Andre, there would be no Boomy as we know him. Uh, thank you so much. What a what a thoughtful way to go out. Um, this has been so fun. Game. Is there anything else that you want to tell people about? And how and how can they find you on social media?
2: Some of the really good ones right now I can't talk about yet. There's about to be a really big one video game with a significant character coming out. And they just emailed me something today that you can almost talk about it. So by maybe by the time this airs, it'll be out. And that'll be a really fun character I have coming up. But recently, Doom Eternal came out. I'm the voice of the father in Doom Eternal video game. I've got stuff on the show Owl House. I still do a lot of American Dad all the time. Uh, Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix is another really fun one. Recently, Star Wars Squadrons video game. Um, And then, of course, Elena of Avalor, I have a few characters. Wizards. I do a lot of wizards and I do a lot of cats. I used to do a lot of (laughs) of Puss in Boots and a lot of old wizards, uh, Boomy being one of them. And so, uh, yeah, uh, The Mighty Ones is another show I've got something on uh, right now. But World of Warcraft Shadowlands, um, that I think is just out. I'm in mean that. Yeah. You so basically there's a, there's named a...
0: like eight things that w- everybody would be happy to have one, and you have like <laughs> exactly. all these amazing exactly. projects. Well, Andre's so nonstop and, work, fantastic, is fantastic.
2: But lovely to meet you, and I love your show, and thank you so much for doing this. I mean, for not just for the fans, but for all of us. It's the work we do, and especially this particular episode, which means so much to me. Thank you.
0: Uh, thank you so much. Well, Good well, seeing you, brother. In that?
2: You too. Yeah.
0: All right, everybody. Talk to you next time on Braving the Elements.
1: See you guys next time.
0: If you haven't already subscribed or followed, please do so. You can do it wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.